Welcome to Highly Political, a podcast where two passionate ladies smoke weed, talk politics, laugh, and sometimes cry. With special guests from the world of comedy, cannabis, and politics. We haven't worked on Capitol Hill, but that's okay. We're paying attention, and so should you. We want you to be informed, like little democracy angels. So pack your bowl, grab some snacks, and let's get into it. And remember, when they go low, we get high. Today we're smoking peach kush. Ooh la la, a rare indica strain that is said to hit you immediately. So let's get into it. Republicans vote for zero relief, but are down to take some credit. How surprising. Two appointees for Biden's cabinet made history. Michael Reagan, we're watching you. Then we sit down with the VP and Prez of the Nevada Chamber of Cannabis. Tina Ullman and Danny Baranowski talk with us about the future of cannabis legislation in Nevada, and they have some exciting developments to share. All right, T, light it up. I'm thinking about that Seth Rogen weed. Ooh, houseplant. It looks dank. It does look dank. I like their packaging. Um, I wonder if it makes you laugh like Seth Rogen. You know, he's like. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I love that Seth Rogen. There's been like a lot of people in some of these like cannabis forums I'm a part of um, kind of talking about like celebrity weed and keep celebrities out of weed. And I feel like if any celebrity is going to start a weed brand, like Seth Rogen is the one that I'm okay with getting in there right. and doing it. Like he seems like he's actually passionate about the plant. He's been passionate about it and advocate about cannabis for a very long time. Um, so I don't think it's like the same as like Jay-Z. Joining. If you know Taylor Swift. Got, got yeah. Well, I mean, even Jay, like Jay-Z, I think was like, uh, was it Kaliva? was one of the brands that he like came on with uh just oh, doesn't seem know. as authentic to me did as, he just like, invest in it though he invested or just you know what I mean? he he came on as like a board member or something I can't remember his specific title or what he was supposed to be doing um, but I know he got involved mm. with a cannabis company I think it's Kaliva uh but I don't know I feel like Seth Rogen like I don't feel like you know yeah stay out of weed I saw I saw a meme or I don't know something. I don't know how memory works um, in social media anymore. But um, I saw a meme that was like Jay-Z's, you know, like music is for white people. And I felt so seen because he was the first rap album I ever bought when I was a child. <laughs> what album? Which album? It was uh, Hard Knock Life. Nice. Is that nice. what it's called? It's it had Hard Knock, hard knock Life. 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 Yeah, that's funny. But yeah, I mean, Jay Z now is just rich. I don't really—he's not on my radar as anything but a mogul. Oh, yeah, I don't no. think of him as an artist anymore. I don't think—I just think of him as a mogul. Yeah, he—he's got that money now to just be doing whatever he wants. Yeah. So. Oof. And what about got... two power families, just him and Beyonce combining their riches? I know those kids, man. Think about like the life. Oh my god, that they—they were born into. <laughs> I, I read a, a headline that something about Blue Ivy, I guess, is technically like a Grammy winner, maybe? Because, yeah, for um, black, um, black Girls. Black is King. Or Black is King. Oh, yeah. Black Girls. That was. Dude, Black, and, black is King. I would like to revisit that. That was good. That was really good. Did you watch that? I we loved should. it. We haven't been together in so long. We should. Maybe we reunite, get high. Yeah, I get, get high and watch Black is King. That sounds fabulous, actually. Ooh, I watched Coming to America. Oh, how, what did you think? Well, well, I haven't watched it yet. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the best. I mean, I didn't have like high, I mean, I didn't have like high expectations. Like, wow, this is going to rival like the original. 
but I was like excited for I think it's always exciting when there's like a cult classic and majority of the cast comes back specifically with oh yes that was since all of them looked like they shot it yesterday the original oh my god okay for real though I mean I feel like in post some CGI was happening to some faces if I'm being real okay but but Eddie Murphy the woman who plays his wife Lisa looked fucking phenomenal she looks so good I mean Eddie Murphy looks really good I know anymore I thought everybody looked good Arsenio looked really good Wesley Snipes can get it. Okay. He's pretty sexy. I was, um, I served him once at uh, the Roosevelt. I was working like some premiere party. I can't remember what movie mm-hmm. he was in. I think it was like some movie where there was like a bunch of action type stars all together. Cause I think Mel Gibson was mm-hmm. there as well. And I think I almost offered to like ask him like he wanted to drink, but he doesn't drink, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Wesley Snipes is pretty cute. Did you watch Blade? Um, but yeah. I, I mean, Blade, I don't think Mel Gibson's in Blade. No, Wesley Snipes is in Blade. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Sorry, I thought you meant that was like the film they were celebrating at your old job. <laughs> okay. How old do you think I am that I was working the premiere party what? for Blade? <laughs> I, like I, multiple blades, I know Black I don't crack, but like- shit. <laughs> By the way, guys, secret reveal, I'm 65. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm and I say things without giving the whole scope. I've in I just think there's a new blade a lot. I don't know, maybe there I, was. There might have been, who knows? But that's just hello funny. <laughs> what if it was the oh my god, Wesley Snipes and the Passion of the Christ? <laughs> He's got it all confused. You're like, Tiana, I don't think so. Uh, I'm just thinking of Mel, Mel Gibson crossovers. But um yeah, you know, I, I'm just going to get right into it. <laughs> Do it. Let's dive in. Just going to get right into it because a couple things. <laughs> Republicans, not one Republican in the House or Senate voting for this relief bill is disgusting. I mean, it's wild because some of them are already out here like gloating about some of the um, relief that their states are going to be getting because of this COVID bill even though they didn't vote for it. It's like You're such fucking piece of shit. <laughs> what would happen if every if what would happen if if most of them voted for it and their and their constituents get are benefiting from it? Right. What the fuck? Yeah. They're I probably think- just going to go on every single bit of legislation. I think the governor of Mississippi is denying federal aid. I think it's like 600 million dollars or something worth of federal aid because he doesn't want to expand Medicare or Medicaid in um in mississippi so like they're losing out on money because he doesn't who's this person what's his name (laughs) oh shit i had it up here and then i took it down because i was like i'm not gonna talk about that guy and then come back (laughs) his name this is my 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 metal straw against my metal cup (laughs) (laughs) um let me see let me see go ahead and rant more about republicans while i pull up his name Okay. Okay. Well, not even that. Okay. Tate okay, okay, okay. Reeves. Of course, somebody named Tate would have that type of oh, mindset. Um, but yeah, but Tate what? rejects Medicaid expansion for working class constituents. The state is passing on roughly six hundred million in federal funding to prevent residents from getting Medicaid. Oh my God, he looks like an alcoholic, Bill Gates. <laughs> he totally he's loaded. Does. He's red in the face. He 100% looks like that. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, you need to look him up, guys. You just need to picture. You just need to picture a recovering Bill Gates from alcohol. You got yeah. it. A little paunchy. Yeah, put on. Um, but you know, okay. So I just want to say fuck them, and also. Um, the housing market is just completely fucked from COVID. Yeah. Rich, rich keep on getting richer. None of their jobs left. They keep buying second homes. They're skyrocketing property values and places at all of the major markets in the U S you know, wherever they are all saw an increase of uh, homes of pri- uh, the price of homes. That's wild. As people are like losing their homes mm-hmm. increase. Yeah. Yep. So thankful yeah. my landlord did not increase my rent this year. Um, me too. I also feel like maybe this podcast should be called Eat the Rich because every episode. <laughs> Bitch, you already know I got my knife and fork <laughs> ready. You know? <laughs> I'm a vegetarian, but I'll eat people. <laughs> I'll eat, I'll, if you help us like prepare, like get it, I'll, I'll eat your yeah. portion. So it doesn't go Party, we're, Okay, perfect. D- dinner party at Army Hammer's house. <laughs> uh, Bezos on the menu. Oh, first course. First oh, his course. ex Bezos' ex-wife, I think, just got engaged as like I think a teacher who I think the headline said something about she found like a teacher or partner who's like pledged to help her like spend her fortune or like donate her fortune or something. So that's nice that she got like the complete opposite of Bezos. Yeah, I like that. Um T, what are you gonna spend your stimulus on? Um, <laughs> sorry, it's just funny because last night I was uh, I was putting all kinds of stuff in a, a cart on Glossier, Glossier, Glossier. Yeah, I don't know how to say it, but Glossier or whatever. They my jam. I'm wearing uh, their cloud paint right now. Okay, I've never I never crap. bought anything. I've been thinking of. I've like always thought about it. So I was putting together like a uh, oh, if I get my stimulus check, even though I didn't get my last stimulus check, so. <laughs> I'm kind of like also that's I'm also kind of putting it out there like bitch you're not gonna get a stimulus check so stop dreaming, um, but I would do that. I would pay some bills. I oh one of the things I want to do for sure is I want to get some of my art pieces like printed so I can start selling them. Oh yeah, and uh, get my hair cut. <laughs> oh yeah, mm-hmm. love that. Mm-hmm. What about you? What would you do with your stimulus? Um, I'm going to put some in savings. I'm going to pay down some, some CC debt that I would like to see gone. Um, and, uh, I'm going to buy, um, I put a pair of shoes in a cart. Mm, yeah. I got a lot of carts. I bet there's a lot of like online I got some carts. They're like, can you stop fucking with our inventory levels by leaving the shit in your cart and not buying it? And I'm like, well, um, can you stop sending me fucking emails every day? Remember that? Why like would we do that trade off? Uh, oh, we also have. Oh, no, it was just that just made me think of. Sorry, at the end of last year, there was like a TikToker Gen Z like campaign to like fuck with Trump, and basically you would just go to his campaign website and just fill your fucking cart with like a bunch. I remember of shit. that. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, but sorry, continue. What were the other things you were thinking? Well, of? I also have one hundred and fifty dollars worth of skincare in a cart. Ooh, skincare. You know. My skincare to, love game is I, forever. I know. I still need to uh, cash in on my birthday gift, my uh, gift certificate for a facial. Yeah, girl, you things, gotta. Well, things just kind of got, like, after you gave it to me, things got a little crazy again and started, like, mm, shutting that's down true, that's stuff. True. So now I feel like now it's time I can, like, call her and book my appointment. Um, yeah. 
something I saw today, Sam, sorry, that made me think of it because he said something about paying bills. Did you know that in the, uh, the relief bill that just came out, even though there's no like cancellation of student debt, there is a part in there that says that I'm, I'm probably wording this incorrectly, but to sum it up, basically, like if there is student debt cancellation in the future, like you wouldn't be taxed on yeah. so, so much over that, which I thought was, you know, I saw AOC do like a live about it. <clears throat> um, but basically she was kind of saying like, okay, yeah, so it's not in this bill, but if student debt cancellation is something that you're passionate about, this being in that bill is kind of showing like, hey, it's there's a possibility and now you got to yeah. keep pushing even harder um, if that's something that's important to you. So it made me think of mm-hmm. you, Angel. Yeah, thank you. It's very important to me, bud, and get rid of that 10K. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, some, some Republicans did cross the aisle mm. with the nomination, historic nominations Mm. Uh, first black man to lead the EPA, Michael Reagan, and Deb Holland, um, first Native American um, cabinet member. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if cabinet member, but probably let's be real. Um, (laughs) Like um, top like 10, like just Native American in government, like first 10. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Secretary of the interior. So she will be um in control of our nation's vast lands and resources that's beautiful that makes me really happy to hear because i was there was i can't remember what it was like maybe a month ago something was coming out where people are saying that she might not get like she was um there were more people who confirmed michael than her um there were only a few republicans who broke it was lisa markowski and and susan collins of maine Mm. and then also um Markowski is in Alaska and Dan Sullivan, who's a, who's a, a staunch Republican. He also voted for Deb Holland and it's because Alaska has a large native population. Mm. See? Yeah. <clears throat> Interesting. And they, I, I believe a bunch, uh, many, like a bunch of women um, wrote an open letter to Lisa Murkowski um, uh, saying that we want Deb Holland as the Secretary of Interior. I want her because I think she's going to protect Alaska. <laughs> I know that is important. <laughs> and Dan Sullivan is somebody who wants to open up Alaska um, for, for timber and, o- oh. and oil. Mm-hmm. And he voted for her because, you know, the because Native Americans have voting power in Alaska, I mean, more so than other states. Right. And uh, we need, and then, you know, when um, people of color get in, uh, in disadvantaged people get voting power, it um, is the reason policy has changed. That's why the Republicans are doing everything they can in Kentucky and Georgia and Illinois to uh, block the vote. <laughs> if everybody voted, we'd never win. Hmm. God, who was it that recently said um, that he, he I'm paraphrasing, but basically he said, like, not everyone should vote. Like, it should be about the quality of the vote matters. And, like, people who aren't informed um, shouldn't be able to vote or or things like that. Just some, like, So what, like, bullshit. half of the Republican Party? Well, I mean. <laughs> right. You mean, like, the people who are actually, like, running couldn't vote for themselves is what you're saying? Oh, yeah. Whole, yeah, homeschool evangelicals um, are known for their um, diverse thought. So crazy. So crazy. Um, um, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, sorry. I was just reading some notes. 
and <laughs> he looked like perplexed it's like like somebody else wrote them like Ooh, what no what I'm just when I wrote this I'm just high oh there you go <laughs> um speaking of like just crazy republicans I feel like this is like a good time to talk about our crazy old kook of the week it's the crazy old kook of the week why you gotta be so fucking crazy the crazy old kook is ron johnson uh old ron old ron just let me just pull up what state senator ron johnson from wisconsin i believe he's from wisconsin yeah. yeah he was on a conservative radio show and he was saying how he wasn't afraid on january 6th during the uh insurrection um he said even though those thousands of people that were marching to the Capitol were trying to pressure people like me to vote the way they wanted me to vote, I knew those people love this country that truly respect law enforcement and would never do anything to break the law. So I wasn't concerned. <laughs> he continued to say, now, had the tables been turned? And then he even said, now, Joe, this will get me in trouble. Had the tables been turned and President Trump won the election, and those were tens of thousands of Black Lives Matter and Antifa protesters, I might have been a little concerned. <laughs> that fucking racist Skeletor. Oh, my God. First of all, these... I just I read an article today about uh, footage of them kicking a fucking Capitol police officer in yeah. the fucking head before yeah, he to, died. To remind everybody, a police officer died. You know, I think over 140 something were injured. He also goes on to claim, you know, we keep calling this an armed insurrection, an armed insurrection. You know, don't you need to be armed for it to be an armed insurrection? You know, uh, making the assumption or, or putting out the, the the narrative that these people weren't armed even though Capitol Police found guns and pipe bombs on some of the people. Uh, it's just, and he's, you know, and, but it's just the way he like flips flops because at first he was like pushing also the narrative before this interview about how it was like infiltrators of Antifa and Black Lives Matter it wasn't really even Trump supporters. And mm. um, it, it just, it just also shows like your privilege and the audacity. It's like, even if you weren't afraid because you knew that these people weren't coming after you because you were on the same motherfucking side as them. But you know what, Ron Johnson? They don't know who you are. Exactly. <laughs> they after you. Exactly. You, what do you think? You were saying, hey, stop, I'm Ron Johnson. Yeah, and if you weren't so scared, why don't you just like join the people? Yeah. Mm. You think the homeboy with no teeth dressed like a bear is going <laughs> to recognize who you are? Dude, I was just like, I mean, you just like, they're just saying like the quiet part, like, super out loud now <laughs> you yeah. know hey there's been a bunch of black people like i would have been scared it's like for real so but oh, it, and it cool. would yeah and it, it was just it's just i don't know it's just interesting that people get on these uh have these platforms to say these things and and i mean even as he was saying it especially when he says like well i know this is going to get me in trouble it's like he knows what he's saying is wrong uh one uh like I think another senator from his state said that he was an embarrassment to Wisconsin. And um... yeah, Ron Johnson's a fucking idiot. <laughs> that guy. So Fuck that's you, a crazy old coup. Fuck you, uh, my, uh, I want to. I want to. Before we get to our guests, I want to quickly talk about hog farming. 
Yeah, Michael, I didn't see that coming. Hog farming? Okay, tell me more. And, and Michael Reagan's um, uh, dealings with them have not made many activists happy. Okay. Um, okay, let's, let me just, let's go back in time. Um, Michael Reagan was head of the DEQ. Uh, that's the department of like the environment or what is it called? Like environment, uh, uh, department of, um, environmental quality mm. in North Carolina. Um, after he was at the EPA for 10 years and, um, one of the biggest environmental threats to lower income communities in North Carolina are hog farms. Really? Because of the way we, because of the way big agriculture works in this country, which I actually learned about hog farms in South Carolina a few years ago when I was doing that um, environmental sustainability class. Mm, mm. Um, that uh, a couple things, hog farms <laughs> have so many hogs in such small conditions and normally farms are by water sources, by streams, that the fecal matter, that's right, the pig poop, fills the air and makes it smell sulfuric and sometimes even making the sky look yellow. Going to the water, fucking up the water, poisoning the water with chemicals used for the fa- from the farm and what the pigs eat and the poop. Yeah. yeah. And think about that next time you, you eat bacon, everybody. Um, yeah. So. You should have said bacon. You should have gone with another pork item because bacon's too good. <laughs> people are so hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I want you to think. <laughs> I, I know people eat bacon. So I just want yeah. you to remember that about that poo fecal matter in the air next time. You know, I'm just saying like, yeah, I just, yeah, I agree. But um, I'm <laughs> thinking of the flavor of bacon in my mouth right now, not even eating it. And I can't even think about what you're saying anymore is all, all I'm saying. Is <laughs> all I'm trying to say, like, you should be like, next time you eat pork, then yeah, you say pork. I'm like, yeah, mm, Sam's right. Not that you're wrong. It's just, you said bacon. Now I'm thinking about bacon. I had a BLT in a while. You know, anyway, continue. Oh my God. Okay. So, um, <laughs> So the governor who appointed him, the former governor was a Republican, the, um, the Department of Environmental Quality in North Carolina, the, his predecessor basically ignored. So, so people in these communities who are near the, the hog farms complain and they write to their representatives. And um, so under the Republican legislation, they were just ignored. So Michael Reagan was like, okay, we got to we got to start somewhere with this hog problem. So what he did, which like, I don't think is the worst, but still he, his critics agree that he, he brought hog farm, hog farm lobbyists and community members to the table. Okay. And, and heard them all out as opposed to just trying to block, legis- like make legislation that would block them from these practices. Right. So at first it was hailed, he was lauded for it. Um, some, and some regulations came about to restrict these hog farms. Um, however, a judge blocked down the regulations of it. So, um, and credit and critics of Michael Regan said that he should have used executive power of the state to really put the kibosh on these, mm. um, these practices because a judge overturned and gutted out regulations meant from them. So it's kind of, you know, one of those things where you think you move 10 steps forward, but then you have to take eight steps back. Right. But the real problem is that these communities are still being affected by it. Right. And that's where um, 
you know, activists are not loving him, but hoping that he makes on his makes good on his promises for climate change. I mean, politics is local now. So, I mean, I hope North Carolina is part of the one of his agenda items because he does talk about methane um, mm. in the air and methane comes from, you know, among gas extraction, animal poop. Right. So, I mean, that would be a reduction. Um, so, I mean, he, he says he's going to be laser focused on emitting methane emissions, taking climate change seriously, putting the science back into um, the EPA. Um, under Trump, 700 scientists left the agency in the first three years, and only half of those um, vacancies were filled. Wow. So about half the scientists left and then probably put in with some kooks, you know, yeah. who don't believe in climate change. <laughs> or, um, so, I mean, the EPA was probably one of the worst hit um, yeah. under Trump's regime. They uh, really lacked restrictions, regulation, you know, regulation that one could argue that over-regulation doesn't get anything done, which, you know, we've seen. But, you know, Trump just fucking slashed the EPA. So I'm happy he's in here. I'm happy he's saying he's making a commitment. Um, but, you know, I, I would be remiss if I did not bring up his hog farm Dilemma. legacy. Yeah. And I mean, hog farmers and hog farm lobbyists uh, were okay with his um, his nomination and a couple of Republican senators voted for him mm. and um, Senator Richard Burr, who's a Republican praised Reagan as someone whose relationship with rural communities had been constructive and not adversarial. When he says rural communities, he means farmers. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, which, which I would be weary of, but the fact that, I don't know, like, I, I don't want to give any credence to Republicans at all, but if Republicans are okay with some Republicans are okay with it, maybe it won't be under fire. Maybe like right. it'd be, it'd be less of a target. I just don't know. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be way better than the last administration. However, the last administration was just held to such a low bar. You know that it's kind of like, you know, people are, you know, I think it's a lot of false equivalent, but how some people are saying, you know, oh, the Democrats and Republicans are the same, just, you know, one slaps a rainbow flag right, on a right. missile, right, right, whatever. Right, 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 I think, right, right. I think there's a ton of, there's a, a complete lack of nuance with, with those kind of memes and information being spread around that I don't adhere to because yeah. I spend hours reading fucking articles for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> I get them all, you know? Yeah. Like I look, I look at them all. No, so, agree, um, agree. It'll be interesting yeah. to see. Well, like you said, it's going to be interesting, like just what he does with the agency. I mean, 700 scientists leaving. I know. It's a grip of motherfucking people. Speaking of, uh, regulations, there's talk going around in Florida, and actually, even Diane Feinstein has said she's on, interested in this as well. Is uh, capping THC potency in cannabis? Florida's pushing to cap it at ten percent THC. Ten <laughs> percent. Even I know that that is low. Yeah. And, it, and, you know, it's kind of based off of this, if, if you think about it, kind of like more of a reefer madness type of mentality of uh, people who, reefer madness. right, like people who don't smoke, you know, his whole thing is like, we don't want another opiate crisis. 
when, you know, I, I can't think of the number of people that have died of opiates, but I know the number of people that have overdosed on cannabis this year and last year and the year before that and the year ever is zero. So like, yeah, but there, there have also been promising studies showing that weed does help some people wean off. Exa- exactly. So again, it's just interesting how, um, or I guess it's, it's interesting, I guess maybe it's not the right word. It's concerning. <laughs> <laughs> it's concerning. Like I even had a, uh, I started looking through it, but um, shit, who is it? Uh, there is a cannabis report that um, F- Feinstein what about and John Court, Court. Well, so they said that they said that terminally ill patients would be exempt from the caps. Uh, so I guess there's that. But I mean, I mean, there's no, other I mean, like there's other ailments. These? There's other ailments that people who like utilize cannabis for for a medicinal reason have that aren't terminal that could have a lot of pain that you would want something that's more than 10%. I think they're also capping, trying to cap edibles at 16%, which in reality, it's just like people are just going to smoke more. They're just going to eat more. So they're just going to spend more money, um, which is really mm-hmm. frustrating. And uh, let's see, in Florida, it is... HB 1455. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, that's what... Proposed 10% THC limit on smokable cannabis flour and 16% on edibles. This is so dumb. Um, uh, Opioid law, like who... I mean, we're going to find out who's funding this bill. We're going to find this out. It's it's like... But what's interesting, I, I was, you know, an article I was reading was talking about how like Schumer had said that, you know, Congress is going to introduce and pass some significant federal marijuana reform or cannabis reform. Uh, A lot of people are thinking that throwing these types of caps into a bill or proposing these types of caps are basically trying to throw a bone to opponents um, who are just like mad about the idea of cannabis legislation passing. Oh, man. So again, it's just, you know, and then, and then there's lack of research to support any of these claims that 10% THC. And, and then, I mean, again, the bigger picture is like THC isn't the only component in cannabis that gets you high, right? It's just like the one thing specifically in certain markets that people talk about or like the buzzwords of THC and CBD that people know. But like terpenes and different cannabinoids can get you really fucked up too. And it's not mm-hmm. always about, you know, THC is necessarily king. So again, to me, it's just it's just concerning because there's there's no scientific data to support these these changes they're trying to make or these caps they're trying to put out there, and clearly they haven't um, consulted with people who know what they're talking about. Because it's also difficult to try to grow flour that's under ten percent or just ten percent unless it's just a CBD strain. You know, it's just there, there's just, just so much that goes into that makes that type of suggestion almost laughable. But it's, yeah. it's, it's scary because having worked in the, the regulated market, there are a lot of laws that have been written clearly by people who don't really understand um, cannabis, cannabis users, and the different types of products that people kind of utilize and, and the reasons why they're utilizing cannabis, uh, which I think is like a really great opportunity for us to kind of talk with our guest uh, about yeah. the importance of cannabis advocates um, working with uh, with government and their local government to uh, ensure that the right laws are being written, just laws are being written, and that they can lend their expertise. We are so excited to have the president and vice president of Nevada's Chamber of Cannabis joining us, Tina Ullman and Danny Bernowski. 
ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm so excited to have you here with us. Yeah, pleasure to have you. Thank you. We are honored. We love talking politics. I'm really excited to get this conversation going. This is, Tina and I are so passionate and I'm just like on the edge of my seat right now. Oh, great. Well, you came to the right podcast that we invited you to. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, so ladies, can you tell us a little bit um, about what the Chamber of Cannabis does and kind of what inspired you to start it? Yeah, absolutely. So the Chamber of Cannabis is essentially just like a Chamber of Commerce, but for um, industry professionals and folks in the activist community that really want to see cannabis commerce shaped fairly and well so that Nevada truly can be one of the most thriving markets in the United States. Um, We want to connect like-minded people who really want to help shape the industry and really build relationships with our legislators and regulators so that we can be a bridge from the industry to the regulators. So kind of combining all of our passion, um, really using our privilege to um, take our state and the people in our state to a whole nother level. And we saw, um, both of us have been in the industry for about two years, and we saw the trajectory of where the industry was going and some of the very unjust laws and the way that these licenses were being distributed. So for the last two years, we've educated ourselves, built relationships with the right people, and now we're at a place where people are listening to our suggestions and taking us seriously when we're talking about major issues such as social equity, social use, and DUI reform. And Danny and I became friends through activism, and we've really just um, built a whole coalition of passionate people um, to take it to the next level. So I'm blessed to be in this space with her and um, able to meet amazing women like you because of it. That's so beautiful. I just, I just, I think one of the things that I love about cannabis and people that are cannabis advocates and work in cannabis is the importance of the sense of community. And, and, and wanting to make sure that our industry um, really shines and stands for like what it is. Um, so I just think it's so great that you guys, you know, took that step to start to kind of initiate the, the, that conversation with your, with your government because Lord knows we, they need our help. <laughs> yeah. Are there any reps in Nevada that you guys are impressed with or working with? that you're, you know, proud to be partnered with? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Tina, you can, you want to speak to them? No, go ahead. Well, I would say first and foremost, um, our assemblyman that's carrying the bill for us for social use is an incredible younger guy. He's in his forties. Um, he's on Instagram. Um, he's <laughs> cool. He, he has an incredible wife or uh, they're just this uh, incredible power couple. She's a judge. I think she's expunged over 2,500 records. Um, nice. So, wow. Yeah, love to hear it. Yeah. Those two. So those two are, have been, I mean, honestly, the coolest relationship and they're actually t- in, he, sorry, he, Steve Yeager is Tina's assemblyman where he lives. And Tina and I used to live right in, really close to each other. So it was both of our assemblymen. And then I made a bad decision to move. Um, <laughs> but no, it's been incredible getting to know him and and again, he's you know carrying this bill. He understands how important it is to open these new lines of commerce to bring more opportunity to Nevada. And really, I think, you know, we we have to take this time now, coming out of the pandemic and shifting into this new evolution, to you know 
like I said, open new lines of commerce that are going to be successful. And I say this all the time and I totally mean it. We are going to be the Amsterdam of America once we're able to get this legislation passed. Like Vegas is built out for this. So yeah, it makes sense that Vegas would, would be the one to start yeah. the trend. Like, Why not us, right? Yeah. Why not us. And that's what we're lucky that we do have um, legislators that are very progressive when it comes to like bringing tourism back and making sure they're actually servants of the people of Nevada doing, you know, what they are supposed to be doing. Um, some really cool facts about Nevada. We have more women in our legislator than any other state. We have a very young legislation, uh, or legislator, excuse me, um, even our judges, a great success story is um, the chamber really helping eight judicial candidates get uh, elected for judge by hosting a forum where they were able to meet a hundred leaders in cannabis and they were able to meet them. So wow. these leaders could then go back and tell their employees during their pre-shifts, hey, we just met some judge or some candidates that believe in the fair interpretation of the law, specifically when it comes to cannabis. So, and one of the gals actually happened to be my friend of 10 years. We went to the same hairdresser. Yes, <laughs> Butler. So we realized how small our state is um, and how accessible through the power of social media, we could actually build these relationships and help those candidates with their campaigns. So it was a win-win for all of us. Um, and it's, yeah, look at us now. We got someone carrying two bills. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the social use bill? Yeah. Um, so social use was something that has been going back and forth in our state. It was approved in 2018 with the city ordinance. Then the governor overruled it um, at last session, like five days before session was up. So it's been a long time coming. Um, but really fast interrupt. Um, and our legislature only meets every other year. So oh. we are, it is bizarro, crazy world. So it's extremely important. Like, so two years ago it went through and now it's back in session. So I see. Damn. Okay. Huh. It's a silly rule. Um, so we wanted to create a coalition where all cannabis companies could join and we could lead this campaign for social use with social equity. And we really could not have one company over here and two companies over here and, you know, all this fighting. So we wanted to take the initiative to be that coalition. So we started meeting with companies, with leaders, um, and drafted what we feel is best for tourists, Nevadans, and companies to, so there's, there's a win-win all around. So the proposal that we have put forth to Steve Yeager um, allows retail attached social use venues, mm -hmm. that's a given, you know, people leave, they need to have somewhere to consume, especially tourists. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have this other license that would be available for both license holders and non-license holders. And that's what's called permissive use or consumption only. Mm. So this, this proposal is a free market approach. We are not putting a limit on them. And we are encouraging people that have businesses already to look at using it, um, as a way to bring business back. So for instance, um, a, yoga, a yoga studio, a salon, a barber shop, a karaoke bar, an arts and crafts studio, um, okay. wellness center, you name it, not just a lounge where people can smoke weed. Right. I mean, so many people wanna consume just going out to eat or getting a coffee. 
So this will revitalize those businesses. It will put more tax money back into um, Nevada. It will create a new license type. Um, and it, most importantly, it will give people a place to consume where they're not criminalized. And hopefully it'll boost, boost tourism too. So we have so many dogs in the fight on why we think this will pass. We do want to do it strategically. So we have um, a good chance of it passing. So instead of making it sales right away, it is just going to be consumption for one year. And then after one year, we're suggesting to the next license type is a single serving use. Mm. So that would then be, you know, more money. Um, and you could actually sell cannabis there if you wish. Okay. So for the fir first, so for the salon example, mm -hmm. first spell that went through, you can have a smoking area so you can consume there a year later, you'll be able to sell as if, well in that yeah. salon. Now, a salon is probably somewhere that people aren't going to sell, more right. so like a restaurant, an event space, um, but they could, it was just because sales involved, is involved, that license type will probably be a little bit more expensive than just consumption. But we want the permissive use to be affordable. The license for beer and wine in Nevada is $3,500. That's exactly what this license should be since the voters said, treat it just like alcohol. Right. Yeah. And if you are a social equity applicant, we are suggesting a reduced or no uh, application or license fee. Love so that. Huge barrier to entry. We're also not suggesting a certain number of applications go to social equity applicants unless they put a number on it. Then we would ask for a one-to-one -one ratio. And then finally, with this proposal, um, there will be other caveats, making sure there's drams, dram shop laws, um, there is can of tour buses, um, you know, special events. So we're encompassing everything that this city has to offer. And we are the only, I believe, organization and company that has put forth a proposal to the legislator. That's amazing. One of the things that you, you mentioned about this bill, you know, about allowing consumption of all these different types of places like hair salons or yoga studios. I just love that it kind of um, takes away the novelty of smoking cannabis and kind of shows the ways that it can be a part of like a, a healthy, regular lifestyle and that it, you don't just have to like, you know, go to the cannabis club and smoke in the lounge. And oh, this is so crazy. Look at me. I'm high. But like how you can utilize it and make it like part of your everyday conversation and your everyday life. I think it's a really amazing thing to kind of help fight that stigma. Yeah, normalizing it. And that's why we actually use the terminology social use venues instead right. of consumption lounge. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. We have so many people with medical needs and are want plant-based and holistic medicine. I mean, to create wellness centers where people can go and actually, you know, get real advice on this plant is is very much needed here and throughout the United States. Can you still what can you still <laughs> I haven't been to Vegas in like two years, but can you still smoke cigarettes inside casinos in Vegas? Is that why this law is easier? Because the smoking indoor laws are available yes. to you? Yes and no. I would say like people, it would be less jarring 
just mm -hmm. because we're kind of a little bit more used to it. Like you walk into a bar, there might be people smoking, but they still have to have very expensive air filtration systems built up. Mm -hmm. And so definitely that's been a concern that some of the regulators have expressed to us. Like, what about the Clean Air Act? Does that involve cannabis? So it is going to be this like multi-step um, issue that I, I can't say entirely for sure, but I think that's why it's a little bit more palatable for a lot of people. Um, yeah. We're slowly rolling that back, to be honest with you. The smoking inside, I think, is becoming more of an antiquated thing. Mm. So, I don't know. Times are all changing. These, these mm. establishments would be 21 and up. You absolutely know you're going. So if somebody has a barber shop and they want to make it consumption, they would need to make it 21 and up. And that during like a certain time of the day, can they have a, a just 21 all the time? Okay. I mean, that's yeah. And then the, the cannabis would be brought in from outside, um, excuse me, from a licensed Nevada retailer, um, unopened, you know, and ideally good, good. we'd love for it to be scanned through the metric system. Um, yeah. so it's just this really seamless process. And I kind of like the idea of developing other uh, parts of our industry, like really building out delivery or maybe some more different companies, like some new industries that will assist in all of these things. Like this will create jobs beyond just cannabis, right? It's going to explode with excitement and job opportunities. And especially in Vegas, you can imagine our economy is 100, you know, very tourism service. And this year yeah. has been extremely rough on a lot of people. So we really see this as a viable way uh, to, to rebound a little bit faster and better for, for our locals and, you know, for the tourists as well. Yeah, it definitely seems like a step in the accurate direction. And I mean, in Vegas, like you said, it seems like the perfect place for it. Yeah. I can't even, I can't even imagine once that pops off, like what Vegas is going to be like. Exactly. I'm going to have to like relive my 21-year-old It's going to be a little things. more chill. That's what Vegas is going to be like. going to be a, a little less... Like maybe instead of a thousand people throwing up on the strip, it's going to be like maybe 600. <laughs> Less violence, just happiness. More oh, the buffets. Yep. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah. I wonder you what it's going to be like post-COVID though. That's one thing I have been concerned about since the beginning of <laughs> this pandemic. Yeah, no, I'm like, what's going to happen to Vegas buffets? Because <laughs> I love them. <laughs> whatever you want. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, you, you ladies are great, but my personal thoughts on Vegas obviously is that it's debaucherous. It's like the birth of capitalism in America. There's so many things wrong with it, but you know, like once every year or so I'm gonna go, I'm gonna participate. I'm gonna participate in the debauchery. <laughs> but so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I, I, I still think about, I haven't been to the Bellagio buffet in like 10 years, but I still think about that shrimp pesto pizza. Oh my God, that sounds to this good. Day. Well, if you guys come out here, I'll, I love a good crab legs buffet, Dan doesn't <laughs> yes. food, but don't count me out. That's and you know, we, no, also we're not. Look at, we also look at federal legalization and, and when it does happen, which I, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen in the next four years. Um, if we have these venues outside of the strip, we can prepare, Metro can prepare lawmakers, regulators, everybody, so that we have again a seamless process going into the casinos and nobody wants to go to a stupid ass mega club anymore and stand yeah. in your stupid pretentious line and pay two thousand dollars for an overpriced table people want um experiences they want the fact they want outside music festival like experience i want poly d you do i'm not kidding i want to see that fool i want to see poly d spin she, she's from outside. new jersey Oh, <laughs> I walked by him like six months ago and I was like, 
pickle, pickle, pickle. Do you have his hair all like poly deed or was it like relaxed? Yeah, yeah no, it was that. Whole, his, like, he doesn't even use gel anymore. His hair is just like that. Just grows that way now. <laughs> I, I want to see, I'm gonna, I want to see Lady Gaga. I want to see Pauly D. And I don't know. And Seinfeld. smoke weed while you do it? Smoke, oh yeah, smoke of course. Weed. And smoke weed with you guys while I do it. Legally. Absolutely. Yes, 100%. And go yeah. on the, the New York, New York roller coaster. Oh yes, that too. I want to meet Meek Mill and smoke with Meek Mill and talk all about reform and yes. have a rap battle with him. That's my person. Oh, I like that you want to have a rap battle too. Yeah. Um, yes. It would be good. I'll practice some bars so I don't look stupid. <laughs> I believe in you. Just, the, the goal here is for all of us to have a good time and for nobody to get arrested on bullshit <laughs> cannabis charges, okay? Okay, we're in the business of not prisons. Yeah, and then how, how many, uh, God, what was the, the legislator's wife? How many people did she say she was able to expunge her records? About 2,500 records, right, Tina? Damn. Yeah. So they're yeah. doing good work, and they, I think they understand all of the facets of the change that needs to come. So um, we've been mostly talking about social use venues, but Assemblyman Yeager is also the chairperson for um, a cannabis DUI reform policy mm -hmm. change. And so this is something that I'm really passionate about. I find it to be really abhorrent that we're doing the old. So in Nevada, if you get pulled over, they think you're intoxicated, they take your blood. Uh, you have more than 0 0.02 nanograms of THC, then you're gonna go to jail. And that's like- Yo, that's oh, it. Yeah, the limit is so small and it's unacceptable. And it's, again, it's just a way to penalize tourists and locals and like, let's be real people that just don't need to be penalized are getting charged with these things and also patients are like they have to be afraid right like so for example one of my friends had a seizure while she was driving and woke up and was handcuffed because they took her blood and assumed she was intoxicated and she's like no I I, I use cannabis to help my seizures I was not driving inebriated but long story short it's it's really nice to have this have access and have these relationships you know that Tina's done an incredible job building um, and getting to know these legislators and, and uh, they care about their constituents and they see like I said this whole well-rounded picture of what needs to change and they recognize and listen to us which is very you know it's honorable. And in the, so, it's so important right before you, you ladies joined us we were talking about um, in Florida they're, they're pushing a bill to put a, a cap on THC at I believe it was 10% and I was saying one of the things that's so great about the work that you do is that it's important for legislators and people who are writing these bills to actually talk to people that know what they're talking about, know this plant, know the patients, know, you know, the community that utilizes it, knows the industry. Um, because we, you know, I'm sure in Nevada as well and in California, some of the laws that came in with legalization were like, <laughs> have you ever even seen like weed before like where did you get this it's just it's, it's just wild so I, I just really commend you guys for the work that you're doing because it's um it's going to change the way that uh, things are legalized in this country and in the way that our industry goes so it's very important work and I yeah appreciate the, you. Uh, Sp uh, Spencer Spencer Roach was the um I think I believe he yeah. was the state of a state attorney for Florida or office he worked in the office of the state attorney he is one of the people who's pushing this law in Florida 
And I couldn't find where his campaign donations were because he's a state rep. So I guess mm. it's a little harder to, he gets less money, a little harder to track, but I am curious. I'm just going to assume that it's a uh, opioids in prison who are funding him. Like I can't <laughs> figure out. It's like, yeah. sir, with your name being Roach, like <laughs> I really don't understand. Like, hmm, Danny, you may have solved this puzzle. He may have been tortured his whole life. <laughs> Yeah, for his last name, Roach. Yeah, you're right. It's probably it. I also find it fascinating that, um, you know, Florida is obviously a heavy red state that the uh, party of less government and less regulation. But when it comes to cannabis, you know, they want to over-regulate in this instance specifically. Um, It's just so silly. Republicans love big government. They, they, They lie. They tell you they don't. They love big government because they love to tell people what to well, do. Like, they love to tell women what they can do with their bodies. Right. They want to put more people in prison. They want to block people from voting. I feel like they like big government for like us and they like small government yeah, yeah, for, for them. They, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the, you know, the lot, they, they love big government, but then they, what they do is they attack uh, progressive re- regulations Mm-hmm. And so then they, they can keep the narrative on we slash regulations. We don't like big government, but then try to pass these laws that are, you know, this, this we, micro- I mean, that is so silly. They're, they are going to um, create a bed and have to lay in it of like ridiculous rules that will just affect their tax dollars. Right. I mean, yeah. they're just like the laughing stock of America while Nevada over here is going to be front runner and we will be the fucking model child. Okay. If we have anything to say about it. Yeah. It just, it seems counterintuitive too, because situation across the board, both aisles want marijuana legalized or marijuana, cannabis, cannabis legalized. Yeah. And again, it's people who don't know what they're talking about. Like, okay, put a cap on THC. First of all, like the, the agriculture, like difficulties behind that is ridiculous but like thc isn't the only thing in cannabis that gets you high specifically like you guys coming from nevada like nevada is so much more terpene focused and the terpene education there is so much better than anywhere i've ever seen specifically in california people mostly just look at thc so it's just it i just laugh when i see these types of things proposed because it just shows how much you don't know when you haven't talked to anyone who knows you don't even talk to someone who knows like a lot like the two of you just anyone who's ever smoked before just ask them (laughs) yeah like the drugs ruining lives in florida probably crystal meth right and i was gonna say you just you just sparked something in our uh, my head in, in uh, one of our early chamber meetings. Tina and I invited uh, the former Republican. What was his title again? Joe Bresny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's a lobbyist. Uh, oh, uh, but um, Lincoln Project Republican. Is that oh, right? interesting. They're going through some weird stuff right now. They're Republicans that hate Trump, pretty much. Right. 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 But there was some like weird expose about their funding or what. I mean, I don't care. They help get Trump out of office. So whatever. <laughs> whatever. Exactly. Well, and I was, you guys just, you, you women just reminded me of uh, what the guy, we asked his advice. We're like, how can we get Republican legislators to listen to us and like to understand cannabis? And he was like, well, two things. Uh, first, he's like, definitely you got to talk to the young ones because the young ones are more open-minded and like younger conservative people. And then he's like, and secondly, just got to wait till they die. <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) 
Ew. I was interviewing him and I was like, oh my God, this is real right now. <laughs> He's like, like, so, I mean, how many years do you think that's going to be? Or <laughs> as, as soon as a politician enters the lobby firm or he's about to get paid like six figures for being a devil, he's like, all right, let me spell some tea. That is you know? funny. I yeah, mean, that was that was his whole advice too. As he's he not, said. it's not bad advice. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, the, I think a lot of, I mean, there are some, I've been, you know, reading some things here and there that like a lot of things, you know, that the Republicans do very well with is the, the, the they hark on the culture war thing, you know, like the Dr. Seuss thing recently where, you know, nobody called for that, but the publisher decided to do it. And it was like, you know, they made a big stink, even though the Republicans love cancel culture, whatever. Um, but, um, oh my God, I'm, did I forget what I was going to say? <laughs> well, it always happens to me when we, we smoke up top and this always happens to me um it's because we're also polish so we're forgetful yes <laughs> me and tina say you can't be good at everything it, it just wouldn't be fair okay that's, everything that's you know what i'll i'll figure out that point one well, day in a, well, like a week or something i mean i think i think it's good advice and especially when you know i think advocacy can be draining and I think it's important to know like which conversations to push and which ones to know, like, I'm not going to change your mind. You're not going to even like, not even a little bit, you know, you're not going to listen or see what I'm trying to say. So I think not necessarily like, I guess, waiting for them to die, but it's more than anything, just being like, you know, they're not going to change. So the advice he gave us, and I think as, as all fellow advocates, we should know this. He said, the only way they're going to listen to you or like, you know, think your plan is viable is if it helps them get reelected and it makes them money. He's like, mm. guys, you, you have to convince them of, he's like all Republicans and all politicians, that's all they care yeah. about. Go for Democrats as well, of course. You have to frame your argument that way. So just good advice. Yeah, that's um, really good advice. It's cancel culture. That's the reason. The the younger, younger white Republicans, I mean, we're, Republicans lost more voters this election than the Democrat, the Democrats have. Um, but what has been pulling a lot of young, you know, like the young white ones to, to the Republican side is a uh, cancel culture. I think that, you know, not that this episode's about that, but I feel like as I was talking about this up top, not to cancel culture in general, but like we need more nuance, like Twitter's not doing anybody any favors, you know, because otherwise legislatively they're down they're just, you know, stubborn white dudes who are sick of like hearing that they all suck. You know what I mean? Like, the, the year, yeah, we're not the year the white dude in Nevada to get elected. Um, we what had, oh, we had so many young oh. women, women of color. I mean, you could just see the billboards, you know, and the, and the more we researched them, um, the more we were just like, wow, many of their values align with what, you know, with what we're hoping will happen. So we, we're lucky this state. We really are lucky. Even our cannabis compliance board, like our meetings with them have been great. Some people probably never are, can get in touch with their cannabis compliance board, but we also didn't see, we wanted to make ourselves the obvious choice, right? Um, to be that prof the professional person speaking where that wasn't really necessarily happening before. It was owners and operators mm -hmm. a lot, like stop speaking. We're speaking now. <laughs> right. Right, because like again, they're the only, they're out there. Only thing about the money they can be oh. they're making. So I could see the way they would butt heads. And again, it's like yeah. And I mean, oh sorry. sorry. No, I just it just feels it just again it just feels more like the work that you're doing, the advocacy that you're doing is more about uplifting cannabis and the people that utilize the plant, which I think is it's, it's smart to bringing like 
in a, in a town or a city state, city state, like Las Vegas or, you know, as a state like Nevada, you know, you, you can't just be, you can't just be theoretically socialist about this because of, you know, capital, like capitalism and you have to bring business to the table, you know, no matter how, how many people would just want them to fold to whatever legislation you choose, there are going to be lawsuits. There are going to, there are things to be held up in court and it was, yeah. Like I can remember two years at MJ BizCon, you know what the buzz was? All the lawsuits going on in Nevada Mm. over the horrible non-transparent and lack of integrity that they had when issuing these licenses. Like that's what we want to be known for. No, no, no. You all can be known for that. The people boots on the ground, the ones that are out here every day that have a reason, a why behind our passion, we're going to keep being the best example. And that's what we told our political leaders when we met them. When you speak of the cannabis industry, we hope you say nothing but great things. We hope we are breaking every stigma and stereotype that every naysayer had. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people, I mean, our political leaders are just like us. They just rose their hand for more responsibility, right? And less money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of them probably use cannabis, you know, like, oh yeah. So it's been, it's been an awesome road and we have a long way ahead. I mean, this bill has not passed, you know, worst case scenario, it doesn't pass. Then it goes down to the county commissioner level, which we have the dopest county commissioners ever. Um, so we're just going to keep fighting and, you know, keep trucking along one joint at a time. Do you think <laughs> is, is the hemp industry like arrival now to the cannabis industry or no you know what i mean because you know if, if you, I, I don't know if you know this i'm just pondering i'm just pondering out loud because in florida and the east coast um they have more hemp farms so i'm wondering if the cap on thc may have something to do with not that just- not that i'm aware of really i think that it's still cannabis is still king out here like we don't have land that's viable to, to outdoor farming so everything is grown indoors so i think that's why i get the difference uh just on the landscape i mean there are hemp farmers here and you can go to this place called hemp world where they have all their plants out and stuff but i wouldn't say it's a rival yeah. okay cool it's, it's like a comparing uh slot machines at a gas station at a 7-Eleven to play in slot machines at the Cosmopolitan. Not a mm-hmm. fucking chance. Chandelier <laughs> bar is my favorite, my favorite bar. I can, right. I, I'm such a tourist that way. I can't help it. I can't yeah. help it. I love being in there. And, and I feel like the caps yeah. on THC, like I feel like the hemp industry would be against that because it would make the cannabis industry more of a rival because their whole game is like low THC, barely any right. THC. So if everybody else was like now fighting for that same kind of bullshit i don't know so it's it's thc caps watch them make make their bed and lay in it and just have a clusterfuck of problems yeah yeah it's just gonna make the illicit market sore because it's not gonna be like oh well i can't smoke the law says i can't smoke weed that's less or more than 10 percent. i guess i'll never smoke really good weed again (laughs) right (laughs) the fuck more so now right. you're people smoking more right it's like we already are smoking and y'all said we can't what the fuck are you gonna do <laughs> <laughs> yeah. have, have either of you ever thought about like running for office at all 
You know, I've been trying to pitch Tina on maybe like a two for one deal. Like, um, okay. So I have two models in mind. Speaking of this two model system we're working with. So that's my first idea (laughs) is we come, we come in, you know, just like stepbrothers. Like, uh um, we could, we could do a lot of puns. Um, or part two is I would love to be Tina's campaign manager and help her shape that whatever she wants to be. I think Tina will be a fantastic political leader if she so chooses. And I, I just admire you. And I think you're a baddie and I I can see it in your future. So I'm ready either way. I'll do both. We endorse this. Incredible. She is. Highly political endorses this yeah. right here, right now. One hundred percent. I both of those, like the stepbrothers plan, I endorse that because I think that'd just be a great story to hear. I don't know, like how, like well, that would really work for you success wise, but I'd be down to like, yeah, get high, do that, tell me about it. Uh, second part, I already think like you guys are doing that without realizing like you're doing that, and um, I'm just really excited to see what you you do moving forward. Thank you. First of all, we'll do anything that makes for a funny story later. Maybe we could even do a parody of Step Brothers. Um, but I really feel that I am exactly where I need to be with the exact people I need to be with so that I can continue to learn um, and grow my acumen when it comes to policy. And never have I really felt that before. And it's just such a rewarding feeling. I, somebody actually, one of our assemblymen, um, now a commissioner, he introduced me at an event a couple months ago and said, Tina's a community organizer here. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> you know, he, and that's what he used first, not necessarily my role at, at old pal or whatever. So I thought, you know what? That is such a great space. I, I'm grateful to be at this space right here where we can actually um, educate our legislators and regulators and influence them so that they have that power to make decision, but we're guiding them on what the best decision is. And that way, if there is a, a position in the future that becomes available, like I'll be ready to take that or we'll be ready to take that. Even starting um, city council for the arts district down in um, downtown, that is definitely where we see potential for a cannabis cannabis commerce. And uh, I was fortunate to meet somebody a couple months ago whose aunt was on the city council and she has a retro antique store. You know, so I like that. Yeah, I like it, the sound of that, that woman. And I'll, I'll tell you one thing also, I never thought like I, I was necessarily prepared for that role. And then I met somebody that was a former air conditioner repair man and now uh, in a city council position up North and I thought, wow, well, if an air conditioned repairman can do it, why not me? Right. Exactly. You have the passion, <laughs> you know, and I think, I think more than anything, like the passion and the things it's interesting. I feel like some of the things you've talked about, there seems to be a little serendipity in some of the people you've met. Um, that's kind of, uh, I guess, fueled um, this new activism or community organizing. And so I'm just, I'm just really excited to kind of see where you go and, I'm going to have to just move to your district and vote for you, but not like yeah. illegally, not like on like a weird Republican way where I'm going to come and like try to like steal the election or some kind of weird shit like that. You know, right. I'll live there, like actively live sure. there, <laughs> but at least come and campaign for you <laughs> if I don't. Campaign would be, it would be Ullman Solutions 2020, whatever it is, 28, 26, yeah. Yeah. but Solutions, you know, 
not just talking about the problem, making solutions happen. And it's so important. And, and that's what, what I, everybody wants from their politician. <laughs> just to come on, just make, make something happen. Even when you have to make a decision that not everyone likes, and that's what comes with the territory of being a leader. You have to make those hard decisions. And I mean, we have to make them even right now at just the, the chamber level. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, yeah, again, I love this space that we're in. We're so fulfilled by all we're learning. We're like sponges of knowledge. We're meeting the right people. We're doing the work and hopefully the results will come in this legislative session. And yeah, long-term, if we're not running for Senate, for president, I think Tina and I would both love to own, operate, be executives for a social use venue, for cannabis companies to really, right now, if you can imagine, it's a lot of white men up top and then everyone else down here. And we would like to really, you know, meet in the middle a little bit more and be a part of that. So we're actively working to be that change. Yeah. The people that deserve to make the money should be the ones making the money not these fools that came in like hey cannabis bro we can make a lot of money off that what do you think you know perfect imitation of all of them well you know you know i've met a lot so (laughs) i'm sure you're thinking of a couple i just imitated so (laughs) well ladies it has been such a pleasure to have you join us tonight on the pod Um, Like I said, I'm really proud of the work you're doing. It really inspires me and makes me realize like I need to be doing more um, because I'm passionate about this stuff and I can't complain about these bullshit laws if I didn't try to help make them right. So you got you ladies are I mean, having this podcast, um, you know, making sure I I, you guys are also on Apple podcast. I saw. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. That's you. That worldwide, worldwide, (laughs) (laughs) world premiere. Drop it. Oh my God! You gotta drop your campaign announcement on the podcast. Oh yeah. (laughs) You heard it here first. And like you know, we feed off your energy and thank you for giving us this space to talk about what we're doing. Any way we can help you, let us know. Yeah, and then where can the people find you? Follow you? Yes. So you're in luck. If you go to our Instagram today, which is Chamber of Cannabis, super easy, you will find our brand new hype video. (sighs) Now, this is one of a kind. This is by Meek Mill, my favorite. And uh, it's two wins and losses, which starts off with Eric Thomas, the motivational speaker, just giving this like little speech that gives you goosebumps okay. and I wake up to it like at least five days a week because I wake up from in a bad mood and change my attitude real quick <laughs> and um I just had this vision I wanted to make sure that everybody um on our board and all of our members were able to be in the video that could and you go from like hey here's our every day-to-day life you know actually mm. we're in the arts district um and then we go to fighting for justice in the video and it's just a fun little hype video so Check out the Instagram. Uh, they can go to our website, which is thechamberofcannabis.org. Uh, you can sign up for memberships there. Um, and then also um, Danny is on mini clubhouses um, representing and talking all about the chambers. So you can- I gotta follow you. I just signed up for that. <laughs> I'm really happy. I'm really bad, I'm bad with social media. Like I need to get better with it. So it's not, my brain's not wired for it a lot of work it's my new obsession so yeah, cool. i recently joined a bunch of italian ones because i'm trying to get back into my italian 
Oh, oh fantastic. That's a really good idea. Yeah. So you can listen to conversation. Oh, genius. Yeah. Oh, that's smart. Mm. Look at you. Um, I just want to admit, I had a little stoner moment earlier to uh, this conversation, Danny, when you were talking about the DUI laws proposal, as you're mm-hmm. talking about, it's like, oh my God, I swear I just read something or someone just told me about one of their friends who had a seizure. And, then, like, and I was like, as you were talking, it's like, after she's done talking, I'm going to be like, tell the story. <laughs> and then you started telling the story about your friend. I was like, oh yeah, that's where I saw it. Danny shared something about that on Instagram. Okay. Yeah. yeah and I just want to say, as far as this goes, um, her case is really unfortunate. And the best advice that they've been saying is right away, if you're in ever in any cannabis uh, litigation prosecution, you need to have the correct attorney that is mm. cannabis focused. Like that is mm. literally what kind of ruined her case for her is they didn't understand cannabis and they tried to go about it the wrong way. So lesson for all of us. Yeah. Cannabis lawyers. Yeah. I mean, when I was young, I got a DUI for alcohol and, uh, you know, my mistake, I was an idiot, but, um, my father who had multiple DUIs, I was like, well, I'm going to go to his lawyer. Yeah. Like he knows what's up. He knows what he's doing. Practice. I called Walt. Yeah. (laughs) Silver lining. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, yeah, like that last question you proposed, the, 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 who are you going to smoke with? Oh, yeah, yeah. If you could smoke with any political figure, past, present, who would it be and why? Uh, Tina, go. You go. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I've been thinking about this a lot. And I, um, ever since you sent this email, this is the one thing I've been fixating on. And, okay, it's a couple different things. So first I wanted to say Bill Clinton, just because he's a lawyer. He's like smoking weed. I know it. Um, and although he's done some <laughs> controversial things, I think that's almost all politicians that I'm aware of. So like, he's going to be my B list. And number one, I would, <laughs> love, would love to smoke with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Like, mm-hmm. I think she would have great conversation, good yeah. stories. Oh, it'd make me feel like I wasn't doing enough, which I, I like that healthy competition. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, good answers. Good answers. Hey, that's a really good answer. Yeah. I was thinking Bill Clinton, too. I was like, he seemed like he'd be like fun. Like he seemed like he'd have the weed. Like he'd be the one to be like, hey, you trying to smoke? And I'd be like, Bill, don't try to smoke the fuck. <laughs> I, I would take it back. Okay. I would go back to JFK. Like, oh yeah. I do have a, a, I, I think it's fascinating. Their, their family's fascinating. He's fascinating. It was fascinating how Marilyn Monroe sang to him with his wife, just sitting right next to him. And the whole world knew they were having an affair. Right. Uh, <laughs> I, I would love to smoke with him, but he also would have the weed. He probably had they, both him and Bill probably would have like some bomb weed. Right. Definitely mm-hmm. more than 10% THC. I can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He'd have that Nantucket weed. That Cape Cod Bispo weed. Oh my God. <laughs> but um, I do, I do. Yeah. We have a friend, Danny and I both, who's from Boston. He's super smart. His name's Mike Mills. And um, he told me all about the Kennedys one time when we went to Boston. So, but he would be my dude. I would want to smoke with that's a political figure, but I think Danny hit the nail on the head with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I That's mean, a- it would be dope to smoke mm-hmm. Kamala Harris too. Yeah. Um, and I do love Elizabeth Warren. I did vote for her in the primary. Um, Fancy, so yeah. Now we I feel she would have, have good snacks to choose from oh. too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like she's very mom. Like always have. Yeah. I feel like snacks. she would like, yeah, she'd have good snacks. She'd I was thinking. Like, of- oh, give me a- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, 
Tina, you light it for me. Um, Tina, if you're into the Kennedys, you should check out this podcast called Even the Rich. They did uh, one uh, episode arc about JFK Jr. That was really good. And another one about Ted Kennedy that like blew my mind. And about, um, I can't remember the name the of the town. Accident. The car accident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really interesting. Even the rich. Um, so even the rich people, if you're listening to this, you should plug our podcast too. Okay. Yeah. Fair. <laughs> um, but ladies, uh, it's, thank you so much for coming on and we're, we're excited to see the, uh, the future of cannabis in Nevada. And I can't wait to check out that hype video. Yeah. All right. And that's thank at- you. Thank you for having us and for creating this space to amplify our voice and our work. Oh, Seriously. You. you guys make it. Very Women in cannabis. Y'all better watch out. We're going to take over this shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>